Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast Season 6 with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited to have you. This is the podcast that is dedicated to hard work, disciplined decisions, and year-round training in the pursuit of the best possible version of ourselves. We leverage elk hunting to create a pathway. We understand that time is finite and we cannot squander a second. We must be leaders at our home. We understand that faith is our number one priority. Then family, then fitness, then health, then wealth. Our year-round disciplined decisions help us leave a legacy for our family to follow. You will leave here motivated, inspired, and educated. We bring on a wide variety of guests subject matter experts so that you can tune in get what you need to get and continue on your journey we are blessed to call ourselves elk hunters season six here we go Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast. Today we're sitting down with Charles from how.org. Most of our conversations can revolve around hunting, obviously, predators, anti-hunting legislation, and how you can get more involved. This is a great episode. This is a great organization, and I'm super stoked for you guys to learn more about how and what they do for us as sportsmen. What would you get if you had a $5,000 Vortex Optics shopping spree? For me, I'm getting UHD 10s or 12s. Definitely gonna get a rangefinder like the 3000 or the 4000 Razor. What would you get? Are you in the market for a new spotter or rangefinder from Vortex? 
maybe some of their tripods that are made out of carbon because they're super light. You could probably get all that and then some, plus an additional 500 bucks to shop at Vortex online apparel store, Vortex Wear. All you got to do is head on over to joinvortexnation.com for your chance to win. That's joinvortexnation.com. Sign up for their e-newsletter. Takes like 10 seconds, no catch. You're automatically entered. The deadline is March 31st. Get on it. Charles, what's up? How you doing, man? Put my phone on. Do not disturb. How are you? I'm good. I just got back from a trail run, took a shower, ate a sandwich really quick, and here I am. Did you already do a podcast today already? Oh, yeah. Is that like just normal every day? Yeah. Okay. I I did one too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I it is during the- bill season. Yeah, dude. Bill season. And uh, I'm tight with the guys over at Sportsman's Alliance. And so it seems like this is just the time of year I crank these kind of podcasts out. You know, why the- we got the new legislation. And I don't know how you guys keep it all, all your ducks in a row and have time to podcast. I don't either. It's a great question. Well, we're going to dig in. Just got to take a time out. So how did you become involved with how... I know John Stallone. I've known him for years. Not well, but we've known each other. Um, how did you guys, how this thing start? Um, I kind of started getting involved in, there was a certain bill in California in 2018, and I had some success with just sort of a grassroots effort. Um, I kind of did that more or less on my own um, with some help from the uh, West Coast Archery Shop here and a few other people that helped out, but it was just uh, kind of a grassroots uh, outreach. And then the, uh, the bear bill in 2021 came along, which would have banned bear hunting. And that was, uh, man, that was basically the big campaign that it wasn't how for wildlife. Right. And John had told me, he was like, you know, he's like, maybe try using change.org just for a petition type, you know, uh, platform. So I'd heard of change.org, of course. And uh, so I used that. But but really what happened is I got all the California companies and individuals and everybody that I knew of to just start hammering Senator Weiner's office and the, the committee that, that was going to see this bill. And why do I, why can I not laugh? Because I can picture what he looks like y'all. So I'm going to ruin this podcast right out the way with my, I'm not on, I'm interrupt you. I'm unprofessional, immature, and this Senator from San Francisco area and his ridiculousness. I I was involved. So anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. Mm, No, I was waiting for you to laugh because it is funny, (laughs) but basically in five days, it, it, it went national. I mean, you know, I don't know, Meat Eater and all these different companies started show, started sharing it. People were making calls. People were sending emails. And it was just a tidal wave of support. And the bill got killed in five days after it was after it was put on the table. So after that, um, I had some ideas in my head on basically what I saw was, wow, there's a bunch of hunters who this wasn't an organization. You know, it wasn't a a legacy org or anybody that was out there that did this. It was just a bunch of people that worked together on social media that just started hammering this guy's office. Right. And, and um, you know, and, and the committees that were, that was hearing the bill at the time. So I kind of, I called John. I was like, man, I want to do something like this. I want to create something that uh, 
you know, I named off a few tools and a few tools in my head. And, and he basically was like, I want to do it with you. And I was like, okay, you know, I know John really well. So um, that's kind of where it started. And basically for the next year, um, I had definitely the most time to work on this. So for the next year, I was working on software and interviewing companies and just doing what I could to develop this custom piece of software that we have that that could deliver what I wanted it to do and and have the tools available for what I wanted it, uh, to to accomplish. So yeah, and then January 11th, 2022, so it was about a year after that bear bill, Alpha Wildlife went live, so about a month and um or a year and a month ago, I guess, pretty close. Okay, so are you doing this thing full time now? Yes, but I haven't paid myself a dime. <laughs> I have another job. I have I'm a business owner. Thankfully, it's a seasonal business in California. I've been doing it for a long time. Um, that business is basically April through the end of October. And I have all the rest of the time off, which which I used to fill up with hunting. And uh I still get out quite a bit. I can't complain. But that's I do this full time also. Yeah. God bless you. Hopefully you get to the point where you can draw us out or something because you're doing good work. You're doing the Lord's work. Now, John also, he's over in Arizona right next to you. Um, and he's, you guys are the two behind the scenes over at Hal. Yes. And there's also, there's a new guy that we brought on because once we got our, uh, to get our 501c3 status, we needed three directors or whatnot. Um, so Mike Costello, he's in, he's in California. Um, he's been named as a, as a director as well. But right. both of those guys, John and Mike, they both have, you know, real jobs full time. They help out where they can. It's it's awesome when they can, but um, they they're they're definitely not doing it full time. They'd have to <laughs> they have to uh, sell everything they got and really place their bets on this working out for that to happen. Oh yeah, and you know, let's be real. Like, there's been some nonprofits for hunting specifically that just have had shortcomings or just holes in their game or a mixed message or a focus too broad, too narrow. So what is Hal's main focus? Where are you guys narrowing in on? Um, kind of pull the, to pull the curtain and give the tools to sportsmen. So instead of asking the question, what is this organization doing for us? Um, we're trying to present that to you. So the success of it is up to you. We'll give you the tools. We'll give you the access. We'll give you all the links and we'll make it really easy to get involved at certain levels, of course. Um, and then it's up to you to, to carry that out. So the, it's, it's kind of the, <laughs> the people's organization. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but you know, it's called how for wildlife. That was kind of a, I didn't want it to be just outright named a hunting organization, right? Because the end goal, we haven't even got to this yet, but my main mission is to really spend any funds that we have and, and, you know, our projects with getting the non-hunting public educated on what hunting is, what conservation is, and the history of that, and to be um, more aligned with what hunting does and what hunters are as a, you know, as a group, not to become hunters. I'm not trying to recruit hunters. Um, but I, that's where the ultimate war is won, I think, because the anti-hunters are a minority 
and hunters are a minority and there's 80% in there that just, they either don't care or, you know, what they've seen has been a, a biased poll or a biased video um, that, you know, for something, if something's on a ballot or whatever, it might sway them to, to vote in the Anna hunters direction because it's, it's all messaging how they message it. You know, the words on ballots, like right now with this wolf thing in Colorado, the way that the ballot was and the way that it was presented um, was missing a lot of key points. And I, I, and it only lost by, you know, the vote was like, what was it? 65,000. It was like 50 point, Five percent to forty-nine point something percent, so it was super close. And um, I, when when there's issues like that, I think the hunting industry needs to spend some money in that direction for for outreach to the non-hunting public. And I mean, you know, big time. If we're talking billboards, let's do billboards. If we're talking commercials, let's do commercials. Not meant for hunters. Not us talking in our echo chamber because we do that really well, right? But let's let's you know um, form a message and craft a message that would work uh, with the non-hunting public. And I I do think it's there. I mean, for one, I think we have science, we have data, we have pretty good history of of successful management. And um, I don't know, I don't know what we're scared of. I guess I, I'm willing to try that. But uh, I might have got off track there on your original question. But no, let's dig in. So the the eighty percent plus or minus, indifferent, undecided, uninitiated—they're just people that don't hunt. And then you have these small percentages that make up anti-hunters, and then you have the hunting community, which is another small percentage, and they're on the far ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Compare and contrast them a little bit when I talk about hunters versus anti-hunters, because my observations and my campaign in 23 is united, not divided. I am a influencer. That is a word that I despise because I've been in the hunting industry since 2006. I've ne- I can never considered myself um, a guy who makes TikTok videos for a living, and I don't have a TikTok account, by the way. But I have never seen a group more unorganized and more ego driven than hunters. Hunters are all about dick measuring. Yes, I said that. And I kill this on public and private with a bow, with a rifle, with a compound trad, or I've even seen as of late, like anti-influencers. Um, and then there's obviously a bunch of bad apple influencers that are so self-absorbed. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you got these anti-hunting groups that are so cohesive. They're on the same pe- page and they're like, you just said it, their messaging is not, you know, there's no infighting. They're dialed and organized. And I feel like that's the, one of the biggest things I wanted to talk to you about today was how to get more united and spend less time maybe making memes or posts about picking up sheds and more about like, how can we get, take action? And you guys provide us the tools. Man, you're exactly right. That's, I'm not, you know, too in touch with the anti-hunting orgs, but (laughs) so, you know, they're human. So of course they fight amongst each other, right? They're not, you know, they're not that good, but um, I see it obviously in the, in the hunting community on all sorts of levels. I mean, I'm hearing, you know, that that hunting is not conservation from, from people. Um, obviously, you know, things that you said, it's a dick measuring contest. 
Um, I see a lot of negativity. I see a lot of um, discouragement. If um, what I mean by that is these groups, they have too much money. They have too much pressure. They put too much pressure. There's too many people. There's no way we stand a chance. So I'm like, so don't try. You know, I look at it as there's 82 million sportsmen, but they're not activated. I see an entire army out there that has no idea what to do, but I still see the army, right? And that's that's the main goal is how do we activate them? If we do that, we do have enough people, right? So how do we get to how do we get to that? And then if there isn't the the argument where there isn't enough money, what in the hunting industry? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's just it's just about where we spend it and i'm not knocking where it's spent i'm saying we can also additionally spend it we need to spend it in these areas um that are going to help unite us and bring us together and, and create a, a front you know where we can match what the anti-hunters do where we can have the money to to take things to court if we need to they take us to court on everything well why don't we do the same thing you know, what is it exactly that they're working on? They're working on really simple principles. I think they work on emotions. They'll, they'll, they'll capture people by saying, this is what trophy hunting is. They'll show a picture. And then that's the definition. End of story. And we're not, we're not coming back with them and saying, well, hold on a second. You know, let, let's, let's look at the data here. Let's, let's, let's actually explain what trophy hunting is. Number one, in most states, not all, and that's even changing, right off the bat, it's illegal to just take the head and leave the meat, right? So let's address that. That's that's one point that we had here in California with the when the Humane Society of the United States came back last spring. So not the Wiener Bill. This is the Humane Society petition to our to our uh, Wildlife Commission. They brought that up, and the commission really challenged them on that. The California Wildlife Commission challenged them on that. And they lost big time. They lost that argument. They lost their petition. They lost um, all of their claims that, you know, climate change is is dramatically reducing the amount of uh, black bears in our state. And they said, well, we have big game biologists here. And here's the studies that they've been doing. Now, they didn't know these studies were going on. And Humane Society is saying something like, we think there's only 12,000 bear left in California. The biologists came out and said, well, it looks like there's a minimum of 35,000 bear. And by the time we're done with this management plan, there might be 70,000. And the Humane Society, Humane Society didn't know that, that they weren't ready for that. They didn't know that existed. And um, that got completely shut down. So, But my point there is we have all of this data and super smart people who can get this information out. And I, and I really do think we can win these battles if we use that correctly. Um, there are there is a problem with gag orders. I think there are some gag orders, and I'll I'll bring up Colorado right now. Um, you know, we had wildlife management uh, went to the ballot box, right, and a lot of information was missing there. The biologists, CPW, they weren't allowed to speak on it. They're the people who know the best about it, and they weren't allowed to speak on it. Um, that is that's not good and i i want to step outside of the of hunting for a second i see this as it's very similar to if there was a 
you know, let's put uh, brain surgery and how to best go about performing surgery and leave that to a public vote, right? And leave the surgeons out, leave the doctors out, leave the medical staff out, the people who actually know. And let's have the public decide on, you know, what the best methods are for performing surgery, you know, and that's, that's, that's such a dangerous thing. Um, you know, when we get to that point. So again, I'm probably, you know, going off on a, on a little, little tangent there, but I think, you know, back to your point about unity and, and what we can do, um, I think for, for us, I can speak for, for how I have certainly seen the unity because we have organized some pretty small, um, whether it's defensively or offensively, because we, we do have some pro hunting bills that we've gone in after with, with a bunch of, you know, support, but most of it has been in defensive hunting. And, um, you know, we've we've helped organize I don't know, probably around 2000 people now to be present at actual commission meetings. And it's had a huge effect. And and the people, the hunters who have shown up to these meetings, they're they're in it now. You know, they're no longer uh, scared of, of speaking in public or scared of, you know, addressing the commission or what should I say or all that. They they're getting their voice you know, and it's really, um, that's what the pack is all about. You know, the, the how for wildlife thing and, and back to, you know, having a name that wasn't really centered, that wasn't right off the bat, like a hunting organization. Um, it's on purpose because our mission is really, it is for hunters, but our ultimate mission is for the non-hunting public, but the pack is us. Right. And, you know, wolves and all that i just wanted to show pictures of wolves because i'm kind of tired of the idea that you know a picture of a wolf or if we say we save wildlife or things like that's been co-opted by anti-hunting organizations and hunters are kind of afraid to use those images or say those things and um i think we got to take that you know we got to take that back mm. if we can give them a voice to say that and um Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's what we'll do. I think that's genius, man. Um, I tip my hat to you, though. That's great. I'm glad there's not a word hunting in the organization name and to use wolves. And, and honestly, you got to fight fire with fire. you got to be organized. I want to distill it down to what you guys actually do for us as sportsmen. When I think of you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, if we traded shoes today, I would have the responsibility to be in the know. And then to be in the know on a moving target means you have to dig in and go to websites and you have to read bills, proposed bills. You have to attend online meetings where accessible. And then you have to read through language and understand and interpret and kind of break that down for knuckle draggers like me. Then you guys got to create a contact list 
and an email template that I can, me, the knuckle dragger, can open up, copy and paste, add my little narrative spin to it if I want to send, and I'm helping the organization. That's my understanding. Where am I right? Where am I wrong? Um, yeah, that's basically it. Um, um, yesterday, I realized, I'm like, all right, this is sort of operating like a we need to maybe uh, operate this or look at this like a investigative journalism <laughs> network because I have writers now. So we've, we've actually hired people. Those are the people who get paid. <laughs> so we've actually hired some people and, and those are the guys and gals who I'll send them an issue. I'll say, Hey, I, th I think we need to get on this. Um, let's start, let's start, you know, reaching out to people. So I'll just, break it down exactly how how it happens um montana right to hunt they just had that issue there uh montana's sportsmen sports fish and wildlife coalition one of the I, I always get the the organizations mixed up but basically we reached out to them and said you know, what do you think about this bill? And they're like, oh yeah, no, you know, we're all over this. Okay, well, how can we help you? So we had kind of an initial phone call with one of my writers and myself to, to sort of just go over the whole thing. Um, and we basically, you know, we'll, we'll say, all right, yeah, this is something we can do. There's decision makers to reach. There's a real issue here so we can create an action on it. So that's what happens. Um, and now after doing this for a year, I have a ton of these contacts in states. So people in organizations like that in Montana, um, organizations in, um, well, just yesterday we had a podcast going over um, what we've done in the last week. We kind of had a lot of small wins. So we did a kind of a weekly update and I just invited everybody, all of our contacts, all of our resources that were involved in that in the last week. And that was um, John Colazar in Arizona, who has been dealing with the feral horse issue for 16 years now, amongst other things. And Amy Patrick, who is the policy director of Oregon Hunters Association. Um, we have helped them with a few things, but the latest one is the right to hunt, forage, fish, and right to food bill in Oregon. Um, had Jeff Dara, who's with the Montana um, Sportsman Coalition in, in Montana. Um, who else did we have? We had, uh, um, I had one of my writers on, and I think maybe there was somebody else I'm probably forgetting right now, but, um, oh, oh, and I had Mark Hall because we did a, a an action in Canada on their C21 bill. So. For those actions, those were my those are my resources, and those guys are are guys and gals are super connected, or they're policy directors, or you know what I mean. So they're the boots on the ground people who these bills are going to. Um, they're either writing themselves, or they're deeply involved in, and they're in the states or Canada where they're going to be affected the most. Um, so that's how we build it. So it's not coming from me. I'm not just sitting there writing this stuff on my on my own opinion. And then what we do, what's different on the action. So you said, you know, we create a template that you can come in and, and sign or whatnot. That part's pretty different. So let's take, um, 
let's take the right to hunt in Montana again, just because that's an easy one to to describe. There was we needed to get co-sponsors for that for that bill. We needed a hundred of them. And there's 150 legislators in Montana. So you, when you come to our site and you take action, when you push the button once, you're sending an individual email from your email address. Owl isn't mentioned at all, and it goes to each one of those 150 legislators. Okay. Now, if the guy sitting behind you comes and takes action and he does the same thing, he's reaching them as well, but he's sending a different email. Now, that's if you don't edit your own email, right? You can edit your own email, which we encourage. But if you don't, um, what we're doing with our writers and what we're doing with our, our contacts that we use, they're providing a ton of different kind of one to two paragraph redrafted emails and we just start building those out and building those out and building those out to where we have for each action it's an average of 70 different emails right so you're so the decision makers aren't getting a form letter i never wanted a form letter those are easy to filter so their legislator staff they filter those you can you know Email comes in, it says the same thing, it all goes to the same box. Now, the same can be said for subject lines. They can filter it by subject line. All that's randomized as well. So we we build a ton of different subject lines. And then each one of those subject lines in the emails, they're they're randomizing as well. So it's not like the same subject line is connected to the same random email. Those are crisscrossing as well. So depending on how many we I think the most we've ever done is maybe 130 different variations. Um, it's it's just it's a it's a way more personal approach, and the result of that is you're getting um, you're getting those messages read for one thing. They have a lot more effect, and you're getting responses back from these legislators. That yes, they are sometimes canned. Sometimes they're can you let us know where you're from? But oftentimes it's a personal message. And I people forward these to me a lot. And I'm like, well, that's cool because this guy wrote me this. So they're actually typing, you know, different emails back. Um, so that's super powerful. That was the main thing that I wanted to focus on was um, as far as the tool was the deliverability of, of those emails. We have the same setup uh, for our call tool. So if it's a, um, if you want to make a call to a legislator, um, you basically, you know, go to our tool, you push a button, it calls your phone, and there's a prompt that leads you through it. And it says, hey, we're going to connect you to this senator first. And on your screen, talking points will pop up, right? So say who you are, you know, but obviously it's a different person calling every time. So that's your own. That's very personal, right? Um, and you can go through, say, if there's 30 legislators, we do it in sets of five. So reach the first five. If you want to come back and do it again, you'll reach the next five. And you want to come back and so on and so forth. Um, same thing with Twitter. I haven't used it much. It's just, you know, when I get more staff and more people to, to really build these things out. But with Twitter, um, if you have a Twitter account, you use our Twitter tool, you push the button, your Twitter page will pop up and it's already filled in and it adds you know, all the people you need to add and hashtag, it's already in there and you just push the button tweet. So you don't have to write any of that. 
Um, I think when we get to the to the point where we can have that with every action where it's needed, that's going to be super powerful. We do the exact same thing with faxing. So if they have fax machines, they they get the faxes, right? So on that um, kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is for that type of advocacy or, or whatever, but for that, that's what we've that's what we've done in that in that realm. The the other part of what we do is RSVPing for commission meetings, and we basically break down the commission meeting. You get you you learn you know you get sent what the agenda is, which is easy. Um, you get sent talking points, and then we will generally have kind of a once I have a bunch of RSVPs, we'll have say a hundred or something. And then we'll have kind of a Zoom training meeting for everybody who has RSVP'd, and it's like, all right, thank you everybody for being here. Um, let's organize this. And we just ask, you know, we answer questions and, and, you know, kind of get prepared for what we're going to say. So we can all sort of say something different when we're, when we're giving our testimony to the commission. Um, and obviously that's super powerful because you're either showing up in person or it's a, or it's a virtual meeting, which you can do now with zoom, which is kind of one of the blessings I think that came out of, out of COVID is um, it, it lets so many more people be involved in that in that process and the the commission process is very you can get a lot done with the commission they they do a lot of rulemaking they set seasons they set that uh, methods of take um i don't think people realize that how powerful the commission is and if you engage with them i think you can really get a lot done Let's use Washington. Um, I live in Washington. Let's. I know they just had oh, a commission do. meeting. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Between between you and me, if, if you live in California, and I live in Washington, and Washington and Oregon both want to be California, uh, at the end of the day, and I'm just shooting you straight. Um, and by the way, like I could go in the Trinity Alps right now, on a walkabout this spring, and I bet I could spot double digit bears in one hike. One hundred percent. It's laughable that the bears population is in jeopardy. But anyways, let's stick with Washington because it does kind of have to do with Jay Inslee's still in office. He likes to appoint people. And so then things and then we had one guy resign recently. That was uh, what I would consider one of the good ones. So you guys got organized. You got people to RSVP. You did your training. And then this commission meeting happened. How did it go down? Well, there's been a number of commission meetings. Uh, I don't, uh, 10, I would guess probably in the last year, um, maybe more. Um, it has not gone down very well. It certainly hasn't gone down in our favor. Um, I'll start with, I think if we were not involved, this whole spring bear issue in Washington, and this is just my opinion and many others actually, I think it would have been over with probably last April. Um, but we outnumbered the anti-hunter's voice for sure. We kept pressing. Now we've learned how to submit petitions. That's what's happened in the last uh, few commission meetings. And they have to recognize those. They have to address those. Um, we uh, One thing we they, they did give you guys out there, which isn't much, is a second mountain lion tag. Uh, they didn't. They didn't increase the quota. 
they just said you can get a second mountain lion tag now. So that was sort of their their olive branch to us, I think. It doesn't really do that much because boot hunting a mountain lion is maybe one of the hardest things that there is that you can do. Um, but on the spring bear issue, it has gone from, well, we need to see management reasons to their personal feelings of we think it's unethical. This is some of the commission members um, to, well, we don't agree with a recreational spring bear hunt because the word recreational just means you're out there having fun. Even though in the commission's mandate, it says they are to maximize recreational, there's that word, hunting and fishing to the, you know, to, to, uh, to the maximum levels, you know, maximum sustainable levels. So they had a problem with recreational. So the latest petition was. So with the Elk Shape podcast audience, we want to let you know about all our partner discount codes or calls to action. Save you some loot, get you some good gear. Kufaru, we finally have a discount code. Elk Shape 15. Any purchase except for shelters. I run the hoodlum. Jake runs the hoodlum. Get yourself the duplex light frame or the tactical. I have both. I would say the tactical is a little bit better for colder weather, whereas the skeletonized duplex light works a little bit better in early season like August and September. Discount code Elk Shape 15. With the Vortex Optics discount code, you have to go to eurooptic.com enter the discount code ELK10. It'll save 10% off any Vortex glass. We also have a Vortex wear discount code, 20% off all Vortex wear for your scouting, date night, or workout gear. Enter the discount code ELKSHAPE and it'll get you 20% off. Onyx Elite membership, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE, it'll take 20% off. You will get the Elite membership, all 50 states, plus access to the digital publication from Hunting Fool. You'll also get a Hunt Reminder membership included, as well as Top Rut and other perks. Onyx has been in the game the longest. Take advantage. Next is Numa Outdoors. That's the hunting clothing we wear in the backcountry. Into the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution made easy. The discount code is ELKSHAPE. It'll take 10% off. Get the A1 and the B1. Definitely for your spotter and your bino. It pairs nicely. And uh, it's just a little magnet strip on the back of your phone. You don't have to have a silly phone case. Wilderness Athlete, new discount code for 2023. It is ELKSHAPE23. That'll knock 20% off. Look for the ELKSHAPE stack or the September stack. And ladies, the Mrs. ELKSHAPE stack as well. Black Ovis is where I get my gear. The discount code is ELKSHAPE. It'll take 10% off. Fast and free shipping and the best code customer service. Black Rifle Coffee Company, whether you want to become a member and have the subscription to where coffee is delivered to your door in the cadence that you prefer, or you want some BRCC swag, coffee mugs, and even RTDs now, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE, save 15% off anything at blackriflecoffee.com. Fatty Meat Sticks, a great, healthy, non-GMO, crappy, salty, no, this is the best tasting meat stick on planet Earth, discount code ELKHUNTER, gets you a little 5-10% to 10 off depending on what you buy, check out Fatty Meat Sticks, Sheep Feet, Orthotics for your feet, discount code ELKSHAPE, take 10% off your sheep feet. I have two pairs. I always have a pair in my boots and my workout shoes. I have high arches. That really helps. At first, I was a naysayer. Now, I'm a believer. Sheet Feet works really well for me. Could work really well for you. Put it in your boot. The Elk Collective, the number one digital elk hunting resource. You want to get going on elk hunting, you can practice and learn from others. So instead of listening to one person preach about how to elk hunt, it's an army of subject matter experts teaching their ways of hunting elk. Discount code ELKSHAPE podcast, all one word. We'll get you a discount to theelkcollective.com. A tough time explaining it, but the department came in and they recommended denying the petition essentially because they've already provided the commission with all of the reasons why there should be a spring bear hunt in the first place. And they had nothing else to offer. What we were trying to get them to do is just 
reword everything, right? And dig into the management reasons. Some commissioners, I think, were really pushing for that. They were pushing for rulemaking. Um, but in the end, it, uh, it got voted down. So that being said, the very next day, they had a few new petitions at their desk that are going to continually address basically what they say. I mean, at this point for me, every time there's a commission meeting with, with Washington, we get more out of their mouths. They keep digging themselves a bigger hole, right? Um, there is, <laughs> as one of the commissioners, I think that you were referring to that, that stepped down, one of the good ones, uh, Don McIsaac, in his kind of farewell speech, in a way, um, he said this commission should be worried about litigation. And that is happening. Uh, not only, I, would, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the commission saw litigation, but I do know that the governor, uh, it's already public that the governor is being sued for breaking uh, certain RCWs and just not following the, uh, the protocols that are in, that are in place for um appointing commission members so maybe that's where that will go uh we'll see there's a lot of there's a lot of things i can't currently talk about there uh that are in place that uh i know a bunch of organizations are working behind the scenes on no that's great man it just helps to get a snapshot of what you guys are up against um maybe mention a couple talking points that you can talk about and really i don't know if you know this off the top of your head but i'm in my uh, anecdotal observations, I feel like maybe my state has more bears than all y'all, and we don't even have a spring bear season. And they know that because they've given us two bear tags in the fall, and I could even get a third bear if I go on the other side of the mountains, and they bumped it up to August 1st. Any idea? Like, Because I think Washington State, we got the most bears ever, in my opinion. So any idea? What was the question again? Do you have, do you remember any of the facts on, from biologists talking about just straight facts? Like we need X amount of bears harvested a year. Bears live a long time and, you know, not even talking conflict. I'm just talking landscapes. I'm talking carrying capacities. Was any of that brought up? Oh yeah. Early on in the spring when I think it was Stephanie Semick, she's the uh, large carnivore biologist, uh, she gave the entire commission a presentation of, of bear numbers, um, of, of, uh, I think she even stated, cause one of the questions was that, uh, bears are lethargic when they come out of, uh, of denning. And she addressed that. Um, I believe timber damage was, was addressed, which is a huge, huge issue. Um, obviously, you know, ungulate, survival rates blue mount the blue mountain elk herd was a was a big one um that was mountain lions of course but all predators you know bears i think came in number two as the the leading um cause of uh of uh death for for elk calves there um they had all the information i mean they have an agenda so, i mean I'll, I'll just start let me just let's rewind a little bit so <laughs> the the commissioner who stepped down a little over a year ago when this whole spring bear thing started, um, gosh, what's his name? Anyway, I did a little research. He's on the advisory board for Wildlife for All. And Wildlife for All, yes, okay, 
and uh, what I, I got to get my acronyms right because there's Washingtonians for wildlife, which is a good group, but then there's Washington Wildlife First. That's not a good group. They are, I believe, an arm of Wildlife for All because on their website it links to these people who are working in Washington, and I'm like, oh, well, they're with Washington Wildlife First, okay. And he's on that advisory board for that. And clearly on their website, you can basically go to their website, kind of like a fortune teller, see what this commission has in store because they're doing it with, with bear, with cougar, with beaver, wolves, all this is coming. And their, their plan for commissions is to completely take away essentially the North American model to get that out of that and, and put people in there um who basically aren't hunter friendly their argument is hunters only represent a small portion of the population so why should they have such a powerful position in wildlife management even though you know they're the ones who are directly involved in it well it's important that you know your enemy i mean that's fundamental uh is to understand how they think and what they'll do next i like the fortune teller analogy because it is a crystal ball to spend some time on these websites and see basically what they're projecting and what their vision is. Um, let's move on to a couple of, let's just bounce around West a little bit. Obviously um, like my podcasts have a little lag to them as far as I don't drop this the next day or the next week, but I think the Colorado wolf thing is pretty much on the forefront. I was able to do a little bit. Of, now I live in Washington, but I'm, I really want elk hunting to last a long time, obviously. And so it'd be important to look up Colorado, who has the most elk out of any state out West, and dig in on their plan that they're talking about. For me, seeing what's happened in my own state where we have an abundance of wolves now and we cannot manage them, and to see the state next door to me, Idaho, um, receive wolves throughout the last 10, 15 you could argue further back, uh, to see what it's done to the elk behavior and dispersion as well as um, redu reduction in numbers, quite honestly. You keep an eye on other states that are going down the road that Idaho's already been down in Washington, and I'm I'm not seeing a lot of language in there about eventually following the North American model and having hunting be one of the management tools to not only bring in dollars, but to help manage populations. Am I wrong or am I missing anything there? No, not really. I mean, there there is phase four of that plan, which includes... Um, may language, it includes, you know, may hunt, may be able to, to uh, use hunting as a management tool, but not will. Um, that's, that's one of the, <laughs> that's, that's one of the issues we're trying to get added um, amongst a lot of other things, you know, protections for, for ranchers, you know, livestock owners, for, for outfitters, for in-state, out-of-state, um, and, and plus neighboring states that's, they're going to have to have their own wolf management plan because of this wolves move. I just read something today. I think it's still right here. Uh, but it was basically a, a collared wolf that was collared in Cody, Wyoming was found in Arizona. You know, they move a lot. Um, a lot of things that aren't talked about yet, like the recovery of the mexican wolf in arizona when these gray wolves that are being introduced into colorado and yes i know there's already some wolves there but they're going to bring more when they come in they are going to move into arizona and they're a bigger 
wolf. They're going to hybridize the recovery. They're going to hybridize with the Mexican wolves, and that's going to hybridize them, which means it's a different species now. And this is all, you know, under the umbrella of the Endangered Species Act. Um, when it's a different species, that's going to turn the whole thing on its head. So that hasn't, that's a, that's a huge, huge is issue there. Um, there's a lot of problems with, with this. Yeah. I, it's, um, I think we're going to know more on February 22nd on, you know, how the commission is going to, going to vote here. Um, or is there going to be a new management plan that comes in place? And again, the governor in Colorado is not hunter friendly and his cohorts are not hunter friendly. His cohorts are a part of organizations that are very, very, uh, dare I say pro wolf, you know, I can be pro wolf too, but I am pro management of wolves <laughs> through the, through the tools of hunting. Um, so, and you know, that guy gets to appoint commissioners as well. And we don't know what this commission is going to do, but there's going to be, I think three open seats in the near future. And it's probably not going to be any better for us. Isn't the governor of Colorado's, I'll use his term, his husband, his husband, um, the first gentleman, giant. you're getting me off track. So his first, <laughs> His husband is like a huge animals right advocate, aka, you know, opposed to hunting. And so that's just a little background information for y'all. Um, when are they when do they want to drop the first wolves off according to their plan? Um, like obviously there's wolves already in the northwest corner. We've had some ranching conflict, but when is the drop date? I think December of this year will be the first the first group. Um and uh I I believe the the management plan they want to get 150 wolves in there and then and then after that what i think what people are pushing for is after that then then hunting you know lethal take um could be authorized it's a it's a really complex subject it's the management plan is not perfect it's just one of those things where the people voted it in the wolves are going to be here let's try and get the best management plan possible that's that's what we're that's what we're pushing for. Okay. And so when they talk about breeding pairs, I always get a little nervous, Charles, because I remember reading like the language in the Idaho plan. Uh I can't say exactly how many breeding pairs, but I know that when you have X amount of breeding pairs that you want, particularly in northern Idaho where it's completely timbered and the use of helicopter aerial survey is pretty much out. It's like they're gonna they're gonna err on the side of more versus less. Otherwise, they're gonna end up tied up in court, and then there'll be no hunting. Because I've been there, I've seen Idaho's hunting seasons get taken away because of court litigation. Same with Montana, and obviously in Wyoming. It's gonna be interesting to see like how this goes in Colorado. But I mean, the writing's kind of on the wall. If we don't take action and help with how our best state for elk hunting's going to. It's going to suffer, man. And my crystal ball shows that these these elk are going to get dispersed and they're going to be put they're going to have to move to places that people don't want, including people with giant fields of alfalfa even outside of town.
Yeah. Um, I've seen it happen here in Idaho. And so, I mean, there's a whole host of things. But you know what the good news is, is if you get some wolves back, you're going to get some willows to start growing back again, which is going to be really cool. Sure. There's <laughs> my, I'm entertained by reintroduction. I'm only entertained by the reintroduction of wolves when all other management practices are also legal and all all methods of take. So, I mean, hound hunting, there isn't a predator that you can't hunt. So, you know, the idea of bringing in wolves into California, I'm 100% against because we already have a huge problem with trying to manage our predators. Do not introduce another apex predator. Um, because who? why don't these groups care about the ungulates? It's strange. Um, yeah, it, you know, like how come there's a hierarchy? on the on the on the animal list here it's 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 very odd um i know that the other management plan from guardians of nature wildlife whatever they're called they basically want as many wolves as um however many elk they can eat that's how many wolves they want they're talking about like something like 1200 a thousand wolves or something in colorado imagine that and then what's that, you know, so then we can get to the kind of the economics. Um, <laughs> where's the hunting dollars going to come from? You know, where, how is CP, how, how is CPW going to be funded? How is any of these projects going to be funded? It, it just, people aren't going to pay the amount that we pay to come see wolves because wolves aren't just, you know, hanging out like they are in the, in the, what uh what is it in uh in colorado where you can see all the elk there they're just estes like, park yeah estes park you know people pay to come see that well that's not how it works for for wolves it's there's so many problems um that i don't think have been addressed and and for most of the people who voted on this they'll probably never see a wolf in their entire it doesn't even affect them this whole thing really doesn't affect them at all yeah no and then there's other things too with you know the heartbeat of this country, the ranching community. And then there's this weird nuance thing. I've seen it here in my own state where you definitely have wolves come through cattle, easy target. Wolves are great at killing. Um, you're going to have that conflict. And then a rancher's going to have to really work his butt off to prove without a doubt, even though the evidence is probably undisputable, You'll have to wait for a, a, a qualified biologist to come out and declare that your cattle was killed by wolves. And I guess now we'll reimburse you. And where does that reimbursement money come from? Yeah. The, okay. So the, the funding issue, the staff issue, the resource issue, none of it's there and none of it's been addressed. Um, <laughs> that's, that's some of the talking points that, that, uh, that we have on that. N none of that's been addressed. So on paper, some people might look at it and say, oh, this makes sense. But in reality, it's just not going to work out. You know, you're not going to be able to, when you have wolves that are crossing an imaginary border for them into a certain area, are there the staff and the resources to recover these wolves and bring them back? I don't think that there is. It's, it's, it's going to get out of hand. Well, Charles, I, I really appreciate your time. 
coming on here and um, just kind of like laying it all out there. But I want to bend my listeners' ears right now. Hold our hands like a small child and give me three actionable steps I can do today to put my money where my mouth is or my time, which is money, and take action. Please bend our ear and tell us how to help Hal if we feel so inclined to. Yeah, so real quick, back to the unity question. Um, We've set this up to where when you see something going on, let's take Washington. I know we've had a lot of outer staters, out of staters um, involved in the Washington issues. And the reason it's like trifled, the reason we do that, um, A, you might hunt in that state, right? Non-resident tags make up a lot of the budget for right you understand that so if you hunt in washington or you ever wanted to hunt in washington or in any other state then that's why you should get involved in washington's issues and we've set it up to where if you are out of state you can take action just the same as an in-state um resident there um number two when you see the orgs who are fighting us in these states they're the exact same people and the exact same orgs we're in all these other states. So they're doing it. All right. So we need to mirror that. And because of that, and the way this works, they're trying to, you know, they've got a lot done in California over the last few decades and Washington and in Oregon, when they get through basically their plan, which is to um, completely protect predators. That's what they, that's what they, you know, call it. So we can't hunt predators. We can't trap predators whatsoever. That's going to have a a tremendous negative effect on the ungulate population, right? And then we're going to get to the point where if we're following the science, um, we're going to have to say, well, we probably can't, we're going to have to reduce tags or we're going to have to reduce, you know, hunting numbers because the, the ungulate numbers can't support it anymore to the levels that they were. Right. So and when they accomplish that in these three states, they're not going to be done. They're not just going to close shop. This is a money making machine. They're going to come to your state. So whatever state that is. So if you're in, you know, Georgia, which is pretty good for for hunting or Tennessee or, you know, one of these states that have, you know, a a right to hunt. um, You need to realize that that battle is coming to your doorstep someday. So. If it is in Washington, you just align with your brothers and sisters right now and get involved. So as far as Howl for Wildlife is concerned, uh, howlforwildlife.org, that's our website. You can go there and sign up. It's free, totally free for every type of tool that we have. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, we have memberships and stuff like that, but that's that's just to, you know, to support what we're doing. And go to take action. Um, we have about five less on there than what we had three days ago because we were successful in our in our efforts um, for uh, I think I don't know four or five issues there. But go there and take action. Um, sign up if there's something virtually that you can sign up for. If you if it's something that's in your state, then certainly sign up for that to get involved. And um, you'll get emails, you know, basically when there's a new action. So we'll remind you of everything. And then on Instagram, it's Howl underscore org. And that's basically where I, that's where I post everything. And it just gets, you know, shared to Twitter or Facebook or whatever from there. Mm. 
I love it, man. I appreciate your work. Guys, so if you're listening, I'm logging on right now. It's howforwildlife.org. You can click join, uh, take action um, or sign in. But you know what? The button I clicked is join the pack. And I could join for free. I'm going to send you guys some loot because I see a lot of overhead and you're not even taking a paycheck. And I really appreciate that, Charles, from the bottom of my heart. Um, and, I, and I would challenge anyone else in my position where, man, I'm kind of a micro-fluencer. I'm not a, I'm not a huge name, but I have a voice, and so do the people listening. You have a voice. You have your own followers, your own small circle. Get this in your dialogue. Get this in your conversation. Put this in your content. It's something we all have to do. And I may get... Um, I'm, I have a lot of people that maybe don't like, maybe I rub people the wrong way. That's okay. I rub enough people the right way <laughs> to help push what you guys are doing, which is the Lord's work. And I just want to encourage you, Charles, publicly to keep staying on your grind. I really appreciate what you're doing there, man. Yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. There's nothing wrong with, uh, I think, being an influencer Maybe some people have a problem with what they're influencing, but you you certainly have a chance here to um, uh, to influence in the in the right direction. And I'm not a, I'm not out there accusing anybody of anything. I I don't it doesn't matter to me, you know. But um, you can certainly use your platform, whoever you are, to uh, to to give people an easy way at the base level to get involved, and then we can take it from there. Awesome. Keep up the good work. Tell Mr. Stallone I say hello. Guys, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.